hard conversations are tough. Like I, I've learned that and confrontation is uncomfortable for people. But if you're going to be a head coach, you have to have tough conversations with players and you have to let them know, like, this is why this is happening and this is what we need you to do. And here's why it's important. Um, and a lot of times it's not even baseball related. You know, it's like this is important because you're going to, you know, you're going to go to college next year. You're going to go into the workforce and uh, people are going to be counting on you. Um, you know, so I try to make it about, you know, I try to bring in the, the life lessons as well. as, And I know you do the same thing. You know, we is greater than me is showing up to practice on time. We is greater than me is wearing the right shirt to practice. We is greater than me is giving a guy a fist bump when he gets a sack bunt down. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. So glad to have you here with me as we enter into the final month of the year before 2024. Uh, we're diving back into Oregon High School Baseball with this week's guest. Can't thank you enough for joining me and a huge thank you to Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros. They've powered the club for years. If you need any facility improvements, make them your first call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you. From the fabrication to the installation, they've got you covered for netting, digital graphic wall padding, turf, turf protectors, cubbies, windscreen, ball carts, you name it. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, obviously. But they also get after in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across America, providing high-quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country, not only at the high school level, but for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Netting Pros, they're improving programs one facility at a time. In this episode, I'm joined by the head baseball coach of Lincoln High School, located in Portland, Oregon. It's a landlocked school with no baseball field, but a baseball team that consistently wins. How is that possible? We're about to find out. And I just stepped away from the last Pac-12 football game probably of all time. It's the, the Pac-12 championship being played uh, down in Vegas. CJ Watson, today's guest, is a huge Washington Huskies fan. I'm a huge Oregon Ducks fan. And it wasn't looking good for a while, so I was kind of glued to the TV. And then I just stepped away to record this intro outro as the Ducks picked up a sack on Michael Penix uh, in the third quarter with just a couple minutes left. So figured I'd jump out here and record this thing and hopefully... Uh, one of us is in a really good mood when this episode airs in less than 12 hours, and I'm, I'm hoping more so it's me than CJ, but let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 93 with CJ Watson. All right, CJ Watson, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I think uh, of, of all the, at least the 6A programs in Oregon, I feel like yours and mine are really similar in a lot of the situations that we face. Yeah, definitely. We, uh, you know, we're the the nomad program, especially you after your field incident this year. Um, but we've experienced basically no home field for the last, uh, you know, nine years since I've been at Lincoln, and uh, it's challenging. But uh, you know, as as you guys do, like we we can't use them as excuses, and we try to do our best to develop players and uh, still, um, you know, have some fun along the way. Have you ever read, uh, this is kind of a side note, but have you ever read The Talent Code? The Talent Code? I don't think I have read that one yet. So in The Talent Code, there, this guy kind of went out and he found sought out all these like great programs and coaches and things all over the world. And one of the things that he talked about a lot is that a lot of times when programs have really nice facilities, uh, they're it's harder to get those teams to succeed because if you have terrible facilities, players have to kind of overcome that. It becomes kind of part of the culture. And so whenever I'm, whenever the thought comes to my head of like, I, you know, how much it sucks to be in the position that we're in sometimes, I always remind myself of that. Like, actually, this is probably making these kids so much better than they would be if we had a facility. Because they're just like this assumption when you have a really nice facility and stuff that when I walk in the door, I'm going to be good. And it's like, well, you got to really work hard too. And I think part of having crappy facilities like we've had for so long is the kids know that they're not going to just walk in the program and be good. They've got to really work at it. Yeah, it, and it creates a like a different level of creativity. Um, and I know you 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 feel the same way, but just like even our practice planning, like when when yeah. I see a hallway, like I see a bullpen. Like when I see a you know a, a little spot of turf, like I see infield individuals. Like it's just it's so 
and and our players have become the same way like they look for places to go long toss and um you know and uh so just that creativity and the ability to adapt to to what you have i think is is a cool kind of factor that we do have that some of the other programs don't experience because their kids get to you know walk out to you know uh turf field and hitting facility so um it is uh it 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 has its its perks for sure but to be clear, we both would prefer to have turf fields and hitting facilities. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our our programs have a lot. Of, like this year, we were really similar too. We both won twenty plus games. Uh, mm-hmm. We both won our conference. Uh, we both had, I think, if I counted right, ten or more. I think you had more than ten as well, including honorable uh, mention, all league selections. Uh, mm-hmm. And then both of us lost to McNary in the playoffs. <laughs> so, uh, it's like saying, man. Uh, so when you kind of look at the program and the year you guys had, what did this year mean to you guys? This was this was the most special year of my coaching career, and I know that every coach probably says that every year, but. Um, this year was just different. We were picked to finish third in league. Um, we came off of a 500 year, um, and we brought back a lot of guys, but we didn't have like a lot of those banner, you know, names, top prospect guys. And we do have very good players. Don't get me wrong, but, um, it was just unique. We had really, really great leadership. This was the best culture I've been a part of. Um, and the, the, the dugout just felt different. And we told, we talked about that so much just after, you know, big wins or, um, you know, tough times, just rely on, on the love that we have for each other. Um, and I really felt like all, we had a big roster this year, 17 guys. And it just, it, it always felt like all guys were pulling in the same direction. And as you know, like that's a tough thing to do in a high school program. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was awesome, man. Like it was, it was such a fun year. I just, I, I really enjoyed uh, going to practice every day. I really enjoyed being a part of the dugout and I just enjoyed how much the guys cared about one another. Um, And, you know, as you know, the, the, the early playoff loss, especially when we were, you know, ranked in the top 10 um, that hurt, but um, you know, it didn't take away from what we were able to achieve throughout the year. It was still a very, very special year in, in a variety of ways. We talk about that a lot too of, of, you know, the regular season is so long and it includes so much and that's, that's where the real, I think culture shows up and the, the, the pride shows up. And then when you get to playoffs, so many things can happen to really, like we had a, in our people listening, won't know this, but Lake Ridge uh, kid, Paul Wilson, one of the best, you know, prep pitchers in the country and they lost in round one. Right. And so you just, uh, you, you get these teams, that can experience wild things in the playoffs when you get there. And so you, you can't put too much stock in what happens with the playoffs when you have yeah. such a great regular season. Yeah. It's, that's why our, our, you know, Oregon playoff system for baseball is, you know, it's a tough one because it's one and done and you can run into that team. Like, like we did, like McNary, I, we were very caught off guard by how athletic they were. Um, and, uh, you know, like the, you mentioned the Barlow. So the, the one and done, it just puts a lot of pressure on teams to perform. And um, But uh, as history shows, it's typically a couple of the best teams in the state that are playing for the state championship. So, um, you know, I, I really like that Washington model where they have, uh, you know, the regional and kind of the mm-hmm. almost like a almost like that college baseball type of bracket style. Um, but, uh, you know, we are in Oregon and it's single limb and we got to prepare our guys for that. Yeah, and it's hard too because you get in these situations like Barlow did and like you guys did where you end up playing a team, or like Lake Ridge did with Barlow, you end up playing a team who's ranked really, really low, mm-hmm. but they're not bad. And they they had like Barlow, they had an injury for a long time. Their guy mm-hmm. comes back and he's an absolute stud. And then with McNary, they had like four guys injured when we played them early in the year in a three-game series. Yeah. And then all those guys got back and they were really good. And so it's like, dude, they're ranked, you know, you look at a rank, it's like, oh, they're ranked 28, 29, 30, whatever it was, or 24, mm-hmm. whatever. And then they're they're not that kind of a team and so it's just it's a, it is a really weird system I, I wish we did have more of a a series or regional type thing but like yeah it is what it is yep exactly uh take you back to high school for you where'd you grow up where'd you play what was it like for you yeah i grew up in uh, vancouver washington just right across the bridge from portland there uh played at evergreen high school um and uh you know i grew up and i i got to play a little bit of uh club baseball when i was like 13 after little league so i played for showtime who's kind of still around i think um, yeah and then uh in high school I, I had a pretty good high school career but then my senior year of football um i got hit and just dislocated my shoulder um and then uh, tried to <laughs> i was a stubborn high school ergo figure and then tried to play my senior year of baseball and dislocated it a couple more times and it was my throwing arm 
Um, so then, uh, red shirted, uh, my, um, freshman year of college at Mount hood, um, and finally got the, the, my shoulder reconstructed, um, and, uh, was able to play college baseball. I DH primarily played some first base, um, would have, uh, loved to see my career without, um, you know, uh, ruining my throwing arm, but, <laughs> um, it was great, man. I, I grew up a real baseball fanatic. I was the kid that ate my cereal with the box scores in front of me. Um, I love the game. Um, and, uh, I just, I absolutely love, uh, that I was able to transition into coaching so quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, it's going to be a big part of my life for uh, a long time. Well, you went to Concordia and then that school in the last few years ended up shutting down and they have this campus with these great facilities sitting there. And I was so hopeful that they'd end up somehow being incorporated into high school baseball. But I think the boat kind of sailed away on that one. Yeah, I I was very hopeful that Portland Public Schools would, uh, you know, try to jump on that. But, you know, I've heard a lot of things and uh, lately it doesn't doesn't sound uh, very promising for um, that complex, which is a shame because uh, one of the biggest issues in Portland um, in general is just lack of facilities for especially yeah. uh, really uh, for baseball and softball altogether. Um, so that would have been a, a great opportunity, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful for the future of Portland and baseball and softball. So you finish up, how quick is that transition from playing baseball to coaching baseball for you? I, it was, it was super quick for me because I, it, when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to be a baseball coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was one of those things where I, I was ready to jump right in, um, I had a really cool ending to my college career. We, we ended up winning our conference championship and getting to go play uh, in the opening round of the World Series in California. And that was a really, really cool way for me to end uh, my, my playing career. Um, and then uh, I was actually able to jump right into coaching in a little collegiate wood bat league here in Portland. Um, my, my coach, Rob Vance, kind of helped me out, and he got me on with Kevin Koppel. Um, who's now mm-hmm. the coach at, at George Fox. Um, and I, I got to coach with Kevin Koppel and Trey Watt um, for a summer. Um, and then luckily, um, Kevin, uh, Coach Koppel introduced me to Marty Hunter at George Fox. And Marty brought me on to his staff, um, you know, as a 22-year-old. Um, and to get to learn under Marty Hunter for, uh, I wish it could have been longer for that year, uh, was, um, just a game changer for me. Um, he is a baseball encyclopedia, um, and he was a fantastic mentor to me. Um, and he was, he was very hard on me as a coach and I, I like that. Um, I, I really want to be held accountable. Um, and I, I like to crave criticism and Marty was uh, awesome, man. He would tell me exactly what I was doing wrong. Um, and, um, it was fun. It was a really, really fun transition from playing to coaching. I, I felt like it was seamless for me. And George Fox, I, we went and played there. You and I did uh, a few years ago in like a, a, like a tune up game before the playoffs. And yep. they had, uh, they had pretty much recently put in a, a turf infield. They, they had a kind of a new stadium that they put in. They had, uh, I think Yacker tech or Trackman or something installed in the mm-hmm. stadium. Like they've just, they, they have, they have just grown so much and they were already a good baseball program, but it just kind of shows the D three level baseball and what it's like up here in the Northwest. Yeah. Our, our, uh, D three conference is awesome. I, and, uh, uh, shout out to, uh, Matt Kosterka, Lewis and Clark for an amazing yeah. year. Uh, he's, uh, he's also been a great mentor to me. He's right down the street here in Portland. Um, and, uh, you know, that conference Pacific Willamette, like, uh, you know, Linfield with Dan Spencer now, like that's a, that's a really cool thing we have going up here. So you go to George Fox, you coach there from what it sounds like you loved it. So why the transition into high school so quick? Yeah, it was, I, I was, <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. I was looking for apartments out there. I was looking for teaching jobs out there. Uh, I had planned on, you know, being a, a college baseball coach. Um, but it's, it was the, just the, the perfect storm really. So I had student taught at Lincoln. Um, okay. and, uh, I had, you know, I got to meet our amazing principal and, um, it just so happened that the, uh, Lincoln head baseball job had opened up. And there was a full-time health and PE job. Um, and it was funny, actually, uh, Randy Rutschman, uh emailed mm-hmm. staff 
um, and was just like, hey, is anybody interested in this? And I really wasn't planning on being a head baseball coach at the age of 23. Um, and I was just like, you know what? Like, uh, I taught there. I student taught there. Uh, it seemed like an awesome place. I didn't really know about the facilities, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I, I applied and um, I was very, very generous that uh, Jeff Peeler, the AD at the time, and Peyton Jobman, our principal, uh, took a chance on hiring me and um, uh, luckily had my one of my best buddies on board to, to jump right in it with me, uh, Mike Blake. And um, we got rolling and it's been uh, nothing but an amazing experience. I absolutely love the Lincoln community. It's funny you mentioned your age because uh, I've met a few other co- – it happens a lot in Iowa where, where just because the way their summer baseball high school thing goes that a lot of coaches mm-hmm. – play. Get, like, kids finish up their like senior year of college and then they immediately jump into coaching because it, it's like a you know a few days later basically. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've had some some like guys who became high school head coaches at like 19, 20, 21 – 23 is really young for Oregon and mm-hmm. a lot of people ask with a lot of different coaching things of like you know is this guy ready and the you could probably be a good guy to ask about this but I don't think there is such a thing as being ready to be a head coach you just kind of you, you you're never gonna know you just have to go and figure it out well yeah especially with guys like uh you know ourselves is like we we do have mentors but but you have to learn on your own um, when you're yeah. young. Like nobody tells you how many baseballs you're supposed to buy. <laughs> nobody. Oh God, it's a know. lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, but like nobody tells you like that you're going to create a 12 month schedule and you need to have it out six months ahead of time. Like it's just like all those things where you're like just learning on the fly. But I just, I felt really, really ready at that age um, to do those things. Um, you know, and I, I failed, more times than I've succeeded as a, as a coach. And, um, I think that's the best way to learn. So, um, I don't have this thing figured out yet. I probably will never quite have it figured out, but, um, I sure have a lot of fun doing it and, uh, you know, I'm sure I'll make some more mistakes, but, um, yeah, I don't think there is a time where anybody is truly ready for what, uh, goes into being a head coach because, um, you know, head coaching is a full-time job. And when you're a teacher and that's your full-time job that actually pays your bills, um, it's really hard to manage those two things. And then you put a family into that. So it's just, it's a, I think it's a lot more than, um, people think. And, um, but, uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. So you mentioned, you've mentioned the facilities a few times, but you also mentioned, you know, you as a young 23 year old taking the job, didn't really have a full grasp of it. So there's going to be a lot of people listening that have no idea where Lincoln High School is, what it is. So can you kind of give an overview about where it is, uh, what it's like, what the demographics are, just kind of a, a big overview of Lincoln High School? Yeah. So it's actually, I'm, I'm here right now. Actually, I came in here to do this. It's, uh, it's right in the middle of, uh, downtown Portland in, uh, in Northwest, um, and uh, it's pr- I, I would assume I, this isn't factual. I haven't checked this, but we have to have the smallest footprint of any high school. <laughs> um, oh, it's, it's got to be. <laughs> it has I, to be. <laughs> I think we're on like uh, if I remember right, somebody said I think we're only on like 11 acres, um, which sounds like a lot. But when you compare it to like other high schools, it, it's really it's not. Um, but we're yeah, we're right in the middle of the city. Um, it's an interesting school um, with the you know how Portland is right now. Um, but, uh, our community, uh, it's a pretty affluent community. Um, a lot of people, um, that attend Lincoln, uh, live in the West Hills. Um, it's not a super diverse school, but, uh, we have become more diverse, uh, over the years. It's an IB school, um, very high achieving academic high school. Um, you know, when you look at test scores and, and things like that, Lincoln's typically, you know, towards the top. Um, but, uh, the, like I said, I absolutely love this community. Um, and, uh, the kids that are, they're just, they're so respectful here. Um, and, uh, they're well-mannered. It's the type of place where you teach and every single kid that is walking out the door says, thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's pretty cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, facilities wise, our school just got rebuilt. So we're in a, I'm in a six story building right now. Uh, they built up instead of out. Um, they're just finishing up the athletic facilities outside. Uh, unfortunately does not include a baseball field, but it does include an indoor facility, which I am unbelievably grateful for. Um, it's going to be two 70 foot cages, um, inside, 
Um, and we have a football, uh, brand new football stadium. And then we actually got a cool thing. Um, you'll like this. It's a really cool little deal off to the side. It's a miniature football field. Um, kind of like they have in Texas. Um, so there's a you know little logo in the middle. Um, and like I said earlier, like guys like me and you, we look outside and I'm like, oh my gosh, like we got a place to throw bullpens. We can set yeah. up a full infield. Um, you know, we can do our individuals. Um, you know, so there's this little miniature turf field, which uh, talking to our athletic director, I think that's going to be kind of baseball, softball uh, primary in the spring. So we will have more place, more options for us to, to, you know, get on and actually get some practices in, which is cool. Yeah, the, you mentioned the hallways earlier, and I was uh, thinking about how this past year we had we were running sprints in the hallways as one of our you know pieces, <laughs> and it was during finals, and so I didn't even think about it, but uh, you know we finished finals like at noon, and so we mm. had an early practice that day, and a, a teacher coming in a little bit upset because uh, she was trying to grade papers <laughs> while kids were sprinting past her hallway making the floor shake. I was like, oh, I like, I never even thought about it. I'm sorry. So the idea yeah. of like the you know the addition of any space, um, you know. We're, you know, we're uh, like you've always been in a gym, kind of sharing space and everything. So mm -hmm. the, the, you're getting the Death Star, and then you got that little mini turf field. Like that's going to be stuff that really changes, uh, like what you can do. But then also, like you said, just the practice planning part of it. It takes a little bit of peace, like a, a little bit of hard work out of it for mm -hmm. you as a coach, which I think is a huge difference maker for all of us. Yeah, I think what I'm most excited to is uh, getting more involvement in our youth program. Um, we've been a little disconnected the last few years because. Honestly, it takes so much work to find places to practice. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, when I'm driving 45 minutes to practice, like that's 45 minutes where I could be working with a youth team, you know, like, so I'm as excited I am as for the high school. I'm, I'm really excited about um, being able to offer more youth classes and clinics and things like that, too. Yeah, when if, if anybody, you know, after this jumps on your Twitter and just kind of scrolls through it and gets into baseball season, it's kind of fascinating because you get to see your guys practicing in probably like eight to nine different <laughs> locations, uh, yeah. different high schools. You guys are renting out like minor league stadiums, like anywhere mm -hmm. you can go to practice. And so having a having somewhat of a home base is such a difference maker that I think is going to be like you said, really good for the youth part too, because it's it, like, if I'm trying to run like a youth thing somewhere and I got to pay all this money to go other places, that's, I don't know. It makes it really hard. And then like you said, you're going traveling really far out of town to do it. It's just, it makes it weird. You want your, you want the youth kids to come to your high school because that's where they're going to go. And so it's kind of right. weird to hold it yeah. at other places. Yeah, definitely. And um, you know, I think I, I lost count a couple years ago, but I think we have practiced at, 18 or 19 different places since I've been at Lincoln. Um, and, uh, that's not a brag. Um, that's just like, no. like, that's the reality. And, and we do have a community that is, that is supportive of that and can make that happen. And I think that's important to understand too. Um, you know, but I, I tell the kids too, like we were practicing at Ron Tonkin last year and we were going through the motions a little bit and I brought everybody in and I just said, guys, look around, like how many, how many high school kids get to practice here? You know, and it's like put things in perspective a little bit like we're practicing at a minor league baseball facility right now. Like, yeah, we had to drive here, but like this is pretty special. Like, let's take advantage of today. Um, you know, so also like understanding like there's privileges to this, too. Yeah, there are. There are some cool things that come out of it. That was this year, like you mentioned, you know, our home field was, was vandalized. And so we were able to practice in uh, a, a number of different places. And, and mm -hmm. it was really nice being able to play games. We played pretty much all of our home games at, you know, Division Three college baseball stadiums, most especially at Willamette University here locally. Mm -hmm. And it was it was kind of nice. It was kind of fun for a little bit. I wouldn't want to do it every year, but it was pretty <laughs> cool to be able to go and play in all these places. It's like, dude, these are really cool, legitimate baseball stadiums that you guys are getting to enjoy. That's something that not everyone gets to do and just kind of make it part of our culture and part of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty special to be able to play baseball games at, <laughs> at uh, Ron Tonkin Field. Um, so, you know, it's it's honestly for me, it's more the practice. Like the, ga the games are like, mm -hmm. that's cool to be but honestly, what we lose more than anything is repetition through practice. Um, and that's what I'm trying to figure out on how to play catch up, because I do think that that takes a toll on, you know, outcomes more so than where we get to play our games at. Yeah, how you practice is is crazy because you I've you know, I've known you for a long time. I'll see you guys practicing at like six in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, I'll see you guys practicing right after school at different places, obviously nighttime quite a bit. And so 
as a coach, you have to be super creative and super flexible. And at the end of the day, you need all your guys to still get all of their work in. So I assume through this process over the last nine years or so, uh, you've become pretty well-versed in creating a practice plan that's I don't know, takes advantage of the opportunities that you guys have when you do get onto a baseball field. Yeah, definitely. Like if I were to say like a list of like my strengths as a baseball coach, I would say that practice planning is probably towards the top. Like I really feel that if you give me a space and, you know, tell me what equipment we're going to have, like we can really run an efficient practice because we have, there's, we have to, you know, there's when we're, like you said, when we got, you know, practicing at six in the morning, uh, you know, coach Blake and I are rolling in at five fifteen to set the whole practice up so that right at six o'clock it, it can start. Um, you know, so, um, I, I really, I enjoy practice planning. Like for me, like when I open up my computer at night to plan that practice, like, it's just like, uh, you know, the mad scientists going on, like what, what can we do to get better tomorrow? Um, for me, I, I enjoy practices, uh, arguably more than the games. Like it's just, it's our time to, and we, and I really, our guys take a lot of pride in the way they practice. Um, and, uh, it's fun, but it's, uh, you know, the, yeah, practicing at different locations, um, is challenging, but when you get there, you have to get the most out of each and every minute. Um, so when we practice, when I practice plan, it's very detailed. Um, you know, it has, I'm kind of old school. I literally just write up every possible detail on there for coaches and players to see. And I, I actually send our practice plan to the players every day before practice. Um, so that when they get there, they, they know exactly what we're going to be doing. Um, a lot of them probably don't read it thoroughly, but they at least know that maybe we're going into fly ball communication at some point. So, um, but yeah, practice planning is a, uh, it's a blast for me. I started doing that a few years ago too, of, of just shooting it out to them as soon as I have it done. Yeah. And like you said, I don't know how many of them actually look at it, but at least having the idea of like the, the cursory look and glance to kind of have an idea, <laughs> yeah. I think makes a difference where they're, they're showing up kind of knowing what they're going to do. Do you have like, um, like when you sit down to make it, is there a template that you have? Are you pulling up like menu items with, mm-hmm. with different things? Are you starting over fresh every day? Like what's your process for creating a practice plan? Um, no, it's, it's, it's typically, you know, we will go through a, a warm up and then I, I go right into base running every day. Um, mm-hmm. We base run for 10 to 15 minutes at least. Um, we practice down angle reads a ton, um, you know, and uh, so we always do base running. And I, I also kind of consider that a, a little bit of an extension of the warm up. Um, you know, a lot of high school kids, if you watch them, don't exactly go through warm ups like professionals sometimes. <laughs> no. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, it gets, gets blood flowing a little bit. And then uh, we started a thing a few years ago called Start Your Engines. So kind of a, even more of an extension of the warm-up. And during Start Your Engines, we'll have stations. So we'll do uh, we'll have a J-band station uh, or like just arm, uh, like the arm barn station where we got, uh, you know, some plyos, the, the blades and, and things like that. So guys kind of have their choices. Um, we'll do, uh, you know, like a quick defensive station, like, uh, you know, three to three to one ground balls, like get overs, um, you know, guys at second base could be getting down angle reads, um, you know, some more down angle reads from second instead of first, um, or we'll do, um, you know, just the quarterback fly ball drills, um, you know, things that all of our guys should be repping. Uh, that usually takes about 15, 20 minutes as well. Um, and then we go into catch play, um, which is, in my opinion, the most important part of your practice. Um, I always tell my uh, assistant coaches that this isn't the time to talk about your golf scores. This is a time to uh, coach guys up. Um, so make sure everybody's circling catch play. Um, and, uh, it's a good time to check in with kids too. Um, you know, I, we, I heard Mitch Canham talk at a, um, a convention last year and he talked about getting his touches in, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, how many times can you check in or give a guy a fist bump per practice? And, um, I started really taking out the heart this last year of like, how many times can I go up and, and give a guy a bump, you know, or, uh, or ask him how his day went or, uh, you know, ask him how he's feeling that day. Um, and then uh, after catch play is usually uh, team defense. So then we're, you know, uh, whether it's uh, bunt D's, first and thirds, fly ball calm, um, you know, all w- w- one of the big seven, I guess. Um, and then we usually finish with uh, team offense, um, which is, uh, you know, on-field BP, competitive BP. Uh, we call them dirty from 30 scrimmages. I uh, got that from, uh, I think, Jonathan Gellner, um, where we set up the – the um, 
you know, coach coaches BP bound from, you know, 35 to 45 feet away. And we pretend like we're Roger Clemens, um, and, and get after the guys. So, um, but that's typically what we're going to do. Obviously we're, if we're in a gym or if we're in somewhere else, it's going to look a little different, but every day is around, it's kind of the same outline, but you know, pick and choose some other things too. I like it. I like the start your engines part as well. The, the, the added part. And I think to your credit, I think anything you can do before catch play, when you're looking at like a baseball practice, I think it helps. I get it helps players value catch play more the yes. later you can put it into practice, because I think we're so used to from like the time we can probably T-ball on, like you're going to stretch your arm, then you're going to go yeah. play catch. And then we're going to do baseball practice after that. And so to your credit, starting with base running, doing the start your engines, probably like anything we can do before actually playing catch, I think it places a bigger import, like bigger importance on that catch play. And then you said like with coaches as well, that's a really hard part because so many of us want to spend that time going and mm-hmm. talking to each other and like catching up with coaches because we yeah. like each other. Otherwise we wouldn't coach together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, if you're not sweating before catch play, um, you know, that's why I tell our guys, like if you're not sweating before you play catch, like you're probably not ready to throw yet. Um, you know, you got to get your arm ready to rock and roll. But I also say that going into catch play, like, guys, we're, we're, we should be able to throw the ball right now. You know, if you're standing 15 feet away, flicking it back and forth for five minutes, like we're not utilizing our time very well. Your arm should be warm by the time we're playing catch. Mm-hmm. And then catch is we're working on a skill. Um, you know, we're trying to get better at, at the most important skill in baseball, which is being able to throw the ball where you want to. Uh, you mentioned when you first took over, you had Mike Blake. He's still with you. I, I can't think of a better thing than having like my, my, my a number one assistant with me the whole way. So what a gift and how awesome is that? But uh, beyond that as well, um, finding assistant coaches, keeping assistant coaches. What have you found to be something that works for you guys? Oh man, this is like probably the hardest thing in, in coaching right now. Um, yeah. first of all, I want to say Mike Blake is a saint, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, to have one of my best buddies with me every step of the way. Like I think Mike could very easily go get a head coaching job right now. Um, and, uh, he, you know, he's, and he might at some point and whenever he does, I'll, I'll be in his corner. But, uh, you know, he said to me several times, like, it wouldn't be the same without you and I'd rather do it with you. So, um, and it's, it's really cool because, you know, my stuff goes on a lot. My, my name goes on a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, and, uh, Mike is there every, every day. Like Mike right now actually is in the weight room with our team <laughs> um, <laughs> while I'm in yes. here. So like, that's like, that's a tribute to him. Um, but just, uh, you know, assistant coaches is, um, that's challenging. I feel like since kind of COVID, um, not as many people are willing to give as mm-hmm. much time into coaching. I don't know if you've experienced that yeah, as well. No, I feel the same, exactly the same. It's, yeah, it's, and, uh, it's, it was always hard, but it feels like it's become much harder. Yeah. So I've, I've tried everything, man. I, I'm, I'm, I posted on LinkedIn. I posted on the OSA website. Um, I've got a couple other guys that work in building, uh, which is nice. Um, got a couple other guys that <clears throat> have been here a while, um, but they have their, you know, their jobs and, I think the hardest thing of all is in the PIL, we don't, we don't have a lot of our fields. Like we don't own a lot of our fields. It's, it's with the city parks. So we start games at four o'clock. Um, right. Try getting a non-teacher to be able to get off work <laughs> and be at a warm up at two forty-five. Like, yeah, right. Most people are working till five o'clock, so it's just, uh, it's, it's a big challenge. Uh, I haven't figured that one out. Um, I. You know, a lot of people, you know, say, well, reach out to your former players, um, you know, and uh, we're, you know, we're trying. <laughs> um, it's, uh, but I don't know. That's, if you have, if you have the answer to that one, Max, I would love to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I beg people. <laughs> like, dude, I can't really pay you much, if anything, but man, would it be great for us? <laughs> yeah. Like, just give me, I, I feel like every year I'm asking more and more people, just like, give me one year. Just give me this one year. Do it if you if you love it, great, and you want to do it more, great. If you don't, that's fine. If you need to be gone for you know three of the five days this week, whatever. I don't think just <laughs> just give yeah. me a shot. Like just come try it out mm-hmm. and see. Um, we've had yeah. a we've had a couple of I don't want to call them rentals, but uh, people who in the building kind of out of a uh, almost like a gift to me, you know, have have done it for a year or two, kind of helping out with uh, assisting maybe the freshman team or the JV team. Because I think I think one of the hard things is that when people want to coach, 
so often they, for whatever reason, they, they want to co And it's, it's like being a kid. You want to be on varsity. I want to coach yes, varsity. Absolutely. And it's like, I, I, it's like, I hear you. If you want to make a real difference though, like you should coach with the freshmen. Like you're going to make such a bigger difference with them. We need your help way more with them. But I feel like every time I come across someone who's like almost on the fence, like they might do it. And I'm like, all right, you'd be our JV assistant. Oh, I don't really want to do it. It's like, oh. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> everybody wants to be a varsity assistant um, is what I've kind of experienced, um, you know, and uh, it's, yeah, finding those really good uh, people managers, not necessarily great baseball um, minds. No. I think the ability to like manage people is crucial in coaching. And I think honestly, that's, that's why the teachers are typically, you know, pretty good at that is because that's what they do for a living. Um, and sometimes if people aren't teachers and they get into coaching, it, it can kind of be a little bit much too. Um, so yeah, the, the assistant coach carousel for us has been moving more than I'd like to. Um, I would love to create some stability with that, but I've, I've also, um, you know, one of my former assistants won a state championship this year, uh, Cam Webb at Scappoose. That's awesome. Um, and Very I think cool. that's one of the coolest accomplishments ever. Like I was so happy when I was a big advocate for Cam, you know, when he wanted to be a head coach. And I think that's also the sign of, uh, you know, something cool is when, uh, your assistant coaches are going on and, uh, getting their own programs and creating something of their own. So there's also that aspect to it too. Yeah. It's cool when someone comes into the program wanting to be a coach and they also want to be a head coach someday. Cause it kind of ups the, it, it ups the investment on their part. It ups the investment on our part, I think, as coaches trying to help them. Mm -hmm. And even though, you know, at the end of the day, eventually they're going to leave the program, but I think that's an ultimate benefit to baseball. And I think one of the, one of the things I think that a lot of Oregon coaches are really awesome at, it's that almost all of them are in this thing for the, the better improvement of everybody. And it's, it's getting more and more rare. I think to come across a coach who's just focused on, their own program and they don't really care about the success of the rest of like Oregon high school baseball. I would completely agree. I think we have some awesome leaders in Oregon. Um, you know, I, I learned a ton from Colin Griffin at Jesuit. Like I think he's yeah. an amazing advocate for Oregon baseball. Uh, he's an amazing coach. Uh, he, he will always answer my phone calls. Um, you know, and then there's a, a lot of other guys, uh, you know, JJ Stolsig and, um, you know, uh, John Arnston and the list goes on where it's just, we have amazing coaches in Oregon right now. It's a really cool time to be a coach in Oregon. I coached or I, I, I not coached. I uh, was coached by, uh, Griff, uh, one of his first years coaching. He was the, an assistant at Willamette mm -hmm. and that summer he coached the Legion team here. And it was my, I think it was my senior year of high school. So right before I went to college, and he was the head coach right before he took over at Lake Ridge. And it was probably the most fun I've ever had playing baseball that summer for a lot of reasons, but Griff was a huge part of it. And then to see all the success he's had. And then at the time we're recording this, just last night, uh, Noble Meyer gets drafted. So that's two first-round mm -hmm. <laughs> MLB yeah. picks, pitchers uh, coming out of, of Oregon, which is really cool to see in, in Griff's program. Um, yeah, he's amazing. There's there's just a lot of good coaches here, uh, and I think it's pretty cool to see and be a part of. Um, when you look at uh, Lincoln, you mentioned where they are, uh, the the you know kind of the, the facility, the the location, the small footprint of the school. Um, so then we think of like, okay, how does the how does the program uh, stay afloat? Because I, my first thought goes to when I see all these places you guys have had to go practice and play of rental fees. Then you add in the parks. And if, from what I know with our parks here, they're not always real great at like giving us a discount or anything like that. No. And so <laughs> my, my thought immediately goes to, okay, this is a lot of money. Yeah. Where does this come from? How do you raise money? Like I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. Yeah. We, uh, we have, uh, we have a variety of ways. Like we, we run some, you know, youth camps and smaller things, but, we do one big fundraiser and it's a letter writing. Um, it's old school. Um, you know, I'm a little bit of an old school guy, so I like doing old school things. So uh, our kids write handwritten letters um, mm. to family members, um, uh, basically just asking for donation, um, you know, and, and saying all the things that we need to do to run our program. Um, and we bring in a, a fair amount from that. And again, we're, we're in a pretty affluent community, um, you know, and, uh, it's, there's a lot of generous people, uh, a lot of supportive people that, uh, help us keep rolling. Um, 
but we also uh, run run our youth camps, which um, you know you don't want to price out your own youth families, but you also want to you know you also want to help it um, you know keep your program rolling. Um, but that's primarily, I mean, that's primarily it really, um, the, the rentals are quite a bit, but we also have friends of Lincoln, which is the account through our school, um, which help us out. Um, you know, so we ask for help with like paying for Ron Tonkin and things like that. So our athletic department helps with some things, but, um, you know, and I also ask for a lot of favors too, <laughs> to be honest oh, yeah. with you. When we go to these places, like a lot of these places are pretty cool and they understand, um, you know, like this year, we actually drove over to Vancouver and practiced um, at uh, Mike Blake's old high school, you know, and we didn't have to pay for that. But we drove over there. Um, you know, I got a pretty good uh, deal with Milwaukee um, because their AD uh, was a former vice principal here. And actually, just as of yesterday, just got hired as our AD here at Lincoln. So I'm pretty excited yeah, about that. Cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so it's uh, yeah, the we're not a banner, um, you know, program for like how to fundraise. Um, definitely. Like you guys definitely are, you guys crush the fundraising, but, um, you know, we, 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 we try to break even every year, um, you know, just raise enough to be able to keep it functioning basically. When you were saying we're not a banner program, like I, my first thought went to like outfield fence banner signs. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you guys, you, you couldn't even do that if you wanted to. No, unless you like no, traveled yeah, with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we used to actually sell those and put them on our cages at the old school. But we might bring those like, back. Dang, uh when i think of lincoln too are the cool things that uh, you know social media so who knows you you'll tell me the truth but um the it seems very as a as a full athletic and as a school it seems very um almost old school where it seems like all the coaches like each other it seems like the athletes go to each other's events. It seems like everybody's kind of rooting for everyone, which I don't know is happening in every high school anymore. Um, And so from the outside looking in, it feels like Lincoln is a really tight knit community. The coaches seem to like each other. The athletes seem to like each other. The whole school seems to kind of have this culture of togetherness. Would you, is that true? Yeah. It's a, it's a very unique place for athletics. It's so academically driven, which of course it's a school should be right. But um, I think, you know, we could do a little bit better job of promoting athletics as a school, but you are right. Like I have so much respect for coaches like Eric Detman and Heather Seeley Roberts. Like they're my, they're my buddies and I go to them and I, you know, uh, I actually brought Eric Detman, who's been on your podcast to Arizona with yeah. us this year, which was probably one of the coolest coaching experiences I've ever had. Like having him in the hotel room with our coaching staff, like just talk and shop. And then he spoke to our team one night. Um, and that was just out of need. Like I, I had some coaches who couldn't get time off work to go to Arizona. So I asked Detman if he would go and he went with us and it was so cool. And he's, for those that don't know, he's our head track and field coach and cross country coach and probably arguably the best coach of those, you know, in Oregon. He, he's he's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and then uh, now that Heather's here and Heather's a teacher here and uh, Heather's extremely old school and um, she's hard nosed and I, I love working with her. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, and I, for me, like I, I tell the kids like, guys go to the basketball game. I, I, whenever I make my winter schedule, I pull up the basketball schedule and the mm-hmm. wrestling schedule. And I try to schedule, you know, practices around this. Um, I canceled a spring practice this year so that we could all go to the child center to root on our guys, you know, like, um, and I think that's so important. And I think it's, I think there's a lot of value in kids watching high level competition. Um, you know, I, but it's just, I think there's so many benefits to that. Um, I, I'm excited for Sean Maley to come in and be our athletic director um, because uh, he's a very passionate guy. And I think, uh, you know, he's going to keep driving the passion towards athletics at our school. And then within your program, um, I'm sure there's other sayings and things like that. But when I think of like culture, I, I, I see two things constantly either tweeted from you or from the, the baseball account for Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the two things are we over me and then a lot of talk about OKGs. Do you mm-hmm. get into those two a little bit or anything else that you guys use as mantras? Yeah. So we is greater than me is uh, uh, that's something, you know, when I was in college, I, I was part of uh, like our salt which was a student athletic leadership team. Um, and it was at uh, Concordia and I saw this, uh, you know, he is greater than I, um, sure. which I thought was cool. And then I kind of, I think I, I probably saw it somewhere, but we is greater than me. I thought that was really neat. Um, and I, 
you can use we is greater than me in every aspect of baseball, um, you know, of others first mentality. That's what we preach. And that's why our dugout was so special this year, because all every single guy in our roster embraced that. They were all pulling the rope in the same direction, uh, which is what we want as coaches. We want everybody, you know, pulling in the same direction, um, you know, and uh, it's pretty cool because our principal really, really values, you know, um, our baseball program. And she loves that saying um, and she uses it at staff meetings, which I'm always I think is pretty cool. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> um, but uh, it just it's it's everything to us. Like it is. Are, are you are you in this for, you know, for other people? Um, and, uh, it's, it's been cool because it's, it's been cool to see guys really embrace that, um, you know, and the, just the selflessness and, um, accountability, um, you know, that go into that, you know, we is greater than me is showing up to practice on time. We is greater than me is wearing the right shirt to practice. Uh, we is greater than me is giving a guy a fist bump when he gets a sack bunt down. Um, you know, there's, there's so much that goes into that. Um, and we talk about it every single day. Um, the other thing we use, uh, you know, our, yeah, we use the OKGs, our kind of guys, and that's just if guys are, you know, are are they playing hard, um, you know, playing hard-nosed baseball. Um, you know, I I value trying to outwork other people. And, and uh, you know, for me, like I love I love that you're a coach in Oregon, Max, because I love how hard you work and I want to try to outwork you. Um, you know, and, and that's, and it's a challenge because you're an amazing baseball coach and Colin Griffin's an amazing baseball coach. Um, and people do this at a high level. Um, you know, and I try to, you know, same thing with our baseball players, like, um, you know, can you try to outwork other people? It's, that's the fun part. Um, the third thing we say, and I started saying this a couple of years ago is nobody does it like us. And, uh, I think probably South Salem is the only school that could probably be like, Oh, we kind of do, but, um, you just know. a little bit though. Not, not <laughs> nearly. At least we have a home field, you know, yeah. it's, uh, you know, and, and I started saying that a couple of years ago and, um, some guys really bought into it, but nobody does it like us. Like, and I, we say that all the time, man. Um, especially this year, um, we, we definitely probably were not the most talented team in our league. Um, you know, but, I guarantee you that we were the hardest working team in that league. Like our guys, our guys impressed me this year with their ability to make sacrifices to become better baseball players um, and better people. It was really cool. Um, you know, and nobody does it like us. Like, dude, nobody's rolling in at six o'clock in the morning, um, you know, on a game day, getting swings before the game or, you know, driving to Vancouver to practice, um, you know, driving to Milwaukee one night, then Hillsboro the next. Like, so like, I know a lot of people work hard. Like I get that, but not a lot of people do the things that we're doing. And I think that's a cool thing to embrace when you're doing it, you know? Yeah, anything you do to kind of make it your own thing and, and build a culture around that is cool. I think one of the, like, to your guys' credit, you had a, I, I wrote it down because I thought it was so cool. I remember seeing it when you first posted it. You had a tweet a while back. It was, I think it was right near the end of your season or after your season or something like that. Don't even know the kid, but apparently his name's Griffin Gibson. You posted a picture mm -hmm. of him pitching. And you just had a, I can't remember everything you had, but the, I wrote the stat down. You said games one through 12. So first 12 games of the year, zero innings pitch. So guy didn't get on the mound once. Then you wrote games 12 through 27, 22 and two thirds innings pitch and a 1.50 ERA. Mm -hmm. uh, that was really cool. Yeah. He, uh, you know, and that's exactly what we're talking about is like, and Griffin was a others first kind of guy. Like did he games one, uh, zero through 12. He did not say one word to us on, oh, Hey, why am I not pitching? Why am I not getting opportunities? Uh, but when he was ready and it was the third, it was the first game of the grant series and we were not playing our best baseball then. And Griffin goes out and throws four shutout innings. And then, you know, Coach Blake's looking at me like, hey, why haven't we thrown this guy more? <laughs> um, and uh, then he ended up being kind of our lights out reliever at the end of the year and got second team all league and uh, won our award as our, the We Is Greater Than Me award in our program. Um, and like examples like that. And we tell stories about former players quite often. Um, you know, there's a story, a really cool story. Jay Gamboa, he pitched here in 2017. We had absolute horses in 2017. So Jay didn't get to pitch much. He went to Skidmore College in New York. Um, you know, and probably not a lot of people even know where that is. Um, Jay actually ended up making the roster at Duke University a couple years later, hmm. uh, which I thought was just like, and like, I don't know, just stories like that, I think are so, so valuable and cool. Yeah, I think we, I think we as coaches always root for those guys because you, 
it, it as a player, it's really hard to sit there and not play. And yeah, as much fun as the team might be having, as as awesome as the experience might be, as much as you love your teammates, you still want to play. Like there's there's no replacement for not playing. And so when you do get those opportunities, I think as coaches, there's no one we root more for when we get them in a game than somebody who hasn't played a lot. And you want them to be successful and you want them to do well. And then you want them to come back out next time and then do well again. And like we always talk about how like get an opportunity and, and own it. And so when a player does, I think as coaches, we just have this natural tendency to root for them. And then, you know, as a coach, of course, you're going to then try everything you can to give them more opportunities and, and keep, you know, keep rocking it. Well, absolutely. And I think that's why like accountability in programs is so important is, um, you know, if, if guys aren't holding the standard, the other guys deserve a chance at holding the standard. Yes. Um, and that's, you know, we're big on accountability, like, uh, and even like, we call, I say little things, but then I always say, there's a saying, I say at practice, there are no little things. Um, but it, the details, you know, like it's just a hard 90 on a ground ball, putting pressure on a defense. You know, any ball you hit to the outfield is a home run until it's not. Um, you know, uh, backing up bases, um, you know, just the, 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 the details of the game are the standard. Like, and this is the standard in which we play at. And I, I love that, you know, if we have this really talented kid, like that's great. But if he's not going to, uh, you know, hold the standard, then somebody else gets an opportunity to do that. Um, and that's important in our program. And, and I put my money where my mouth is with that. I, I uh, in a grant game this year, a really important game, uh, two of our seniors didn't show up to morning hitting. Um, and they were two like all state kind of guys. And both of them weren't in the lineup that night, um, you know, and. I'm not willing to bet our culture on one game, um, you know, so I think uh, that was a prime example of that this year on like uh, how accountability is, is important. And that gives guys, you know, an opportunity that to get in there and, and hold the standard. And, and sometimes those guys are just chomping at the bit so much for those opportunities that they go in and they exceed their own expectations, which is pretty cool. I think that's one of the hardest things as a coach is when you have somebody who's really good, who you know gives you a better chance at winning, but who you also know didn't hold up the standard. And to your credit, I think one of the ways that I've also tried to reframe that in my mind is always looking at it through the eyes of the other guy. So, you know, the guy who's not playing and who is following all the standards and doing everything right. If I, if I don't put this other guy in, Mm -hmm. What message am I sending to him when the guy in front of him hasn't met the standard? And yeah. so I think as a coach, when we kind of frame it that way in our minds, then the the winning part, the better position to win the game, like that becomes secondary and it's easier to focus on that. No, no, no. This is the right thing to do. And if I don't do this, then what am I telling this other kid sitting on the bench? Because now he has like no hope, right? Like, yeah. and he's just been, it's like we've, it's essentially a lie then at that point, if we aren't making that change in that moment. Right. And I think just communication, like that's something I was so bad at early in my career was communication. Um, just like telling players like, Hey, this is why we're doing this. Um, and it's hard, hard conversations are tough. Like I I've learned that and confrontation is uncomfortable for people, but if you're going to be a head coach, you have to have tough conversations with players and you have to let them know, like, this is why this is happening and this is what we need you to do. And here's why it's important. Um, and a lot of times it's not even baseball related. You know, it's like this is important because you're going to, you know, you're going to go to college next year. You're going to go into the workforce and uh, people are going to be counting on you. Um, you know, so I try to make it about, you know, I try to bring in the, the life lessons as well. as, And I know you do the same thing. My thought then goes to parents and what the parents might be like, because I think in a lot of situations, you know, messages get home and they get changed a little bit or parents can get upset by different things. And I think when you have a standard and a kid's not meeting, if they're not in the game, that can be a hard thing mm -hmm. for a parent to understand. Do you like front load those things with parents? Is there like a parent meeting you have where you're making clear what the standards are? Are you talking to parents throughout the season? Like what's your program's philosophy when it comes to, to parents? Yeah. Um, well, our parents are awesome. I'll say that. Um, but I do set extremely clear and precise expectations for parents. Um, I will not discuss playing time with parents. Um, I will not. I have an open door policy for players. I will meet with a player every day. I actually have a, I have lunch with a, with a player almost every, every day, every other day and just talk sometimes. And um, I think that helps a lot with clarity, but um, I, I really don't 
like I, I love our parents and they're great. Like I said, but I just, I, I don't meet with parents and talk about playing time or anything like that. Um, you know, I tell parents like, this is, it's, this is my job to manage this team and I'm going to do that. Um, and no offense, but I, I do not need your help with that. Um, and that's a winter meeting and I make it clear and I make, I, I have like during, it's funny during that winter meeting, I have slides and I bring back that slide about three times and go over it. Three, um, so it's just very, a reminder here. Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's, so I keep going back to it and I make that very clear and that's been great. I know that's not going to be, you know, it's not, you're never going to please everybody. Um, but uh, that's been pretty successful so far and I'm going to continue to to go with that. I don't know that there's much good that ever comes out of those conversations anyway because so like even if you explain it perfectly and mm-hmm. any third party would would be totally reasonable of course you know you know this other player is playing ahead of this other player for x amount of innings mm-hmm. but no matter what you're it's still the parent and they still they want their kid in and that's a totally reasonable thing for them to want and logic a lot of the times gets kind of set to the side yeah. and i i don't think even if you as a coach explain it perfectly and like you are spot on and you're correct and it's so obvious mm-hmm. i still think there's going to be that part of where the parent goes home unhappy and then who knows what the conversations at home ends up being like with their kid and then all of a sudden seeds of doubt start getting sown and it's like ah everything was fine before this so i think that standard being set in the winter is such a good idea yeah and it's it you know like like i said you're never going to please everybody and um it's uh I, I really don't like the, why is he playing over my son? Like, I'm not going to yeah. talk about another kid. I'm not going to talk about another parent's kid with you, first of all, you know, but um, like I said, they're, parents are not the enemies. I want to make that very clear. No. Like Parents are awesome and they're supportive and they help me with so many things. When we do the spring break trips, they try to take so much off my plate. Um, I have an amazing like little board of, of parents actually. Um, and they're not the enemy, but there is a, there's parents and then there's coaches. Um, and my job is to coach. And uh, I don't, and like I said, I don't need parents help to do that. You mentioned uh, your growth as a coach and one of the big parts being in, in communication. Mm-hmm. I feel the same. I think early in my career, it was kind of, I'd kind of avoid the conversations and it was such yeah. a you know young coach thing to do. And I think as you grow up, it becomes much more practical and easy and better for everybody to just have those conversations and just dive mm-hmm. in with them. Um, yeah. What else have you, do you feel like you've, you do better now as a coach than you did maybe when you were first taken over at 23 or even into your 24, 25? Like what, what things have you really grown at or matured at? Honestly, just like I've calmed down a little bit (laughs) just to be like blunt. Like I was like, and I'm still, I'm a type A personality. I'm a pretty high strung person, like just overall. Um, But like, I've really just relaxed and let the guys play more in the games. I feel like. Um, you know, and honestly during the games, I really don't say much anymore. Um, I just kind of, you know, I coach third base and I, you know, I give positive reaffirmations to guys and I let them do their thing. Uh, games are for players. Uh, I believe that. And I don't think games were for players when I was younger sometimes, which is embarrassing to say. Um, and, uh, you know, just, I, I don't, you know, this is a funny one. You're going to laugh at me, Max, but I, I really don't engage with umpires much anymore. Um, get out of here. <laughs> But I really, I, I just, I kind of just step, I step back and realize like, dude, like you need to chill out a little bit. You know, this, I know that you're passionate, but, um, there's, there's other ways that we can do this. And I've noticed that there's a little bit more of a calmness with our players now. And we had great leadership because of it, I think. Um, so I think that's definitely a big part is just being a better communicator and, and willing to have hard conversations. And then honestly, just like, just relaxing a little bit and and not lowering like standards. Like I think a lot of my players would say like, yeah, we, we have high standards here and coach Watson's, you know, pretty stern, but um, I, I think that they, you know, they also have realized that I've, you know, been able to take a step back and cause I tell them like, guys, this is what I'm working on as a coach right now. Like I'm pretty transparent with my players. Like I know you guys are all working on things like, so am I. Um, you know, I'm trying to let you guys just go do your thing and have fun, um, you know, without getting in your way. Um, and then at practices, yeah, like we're going to get after, we're going to have fun. We're going to have high tempo energy practices, but when it comes to the games, like the games are your baby and you go just enjoy it. Yeah. I think there's, there's, I think that calmness happens to every coach over time because I think it takes a while to, 
I don't know, to release that and, and get to that point where you do realize that games are for the kids and yeah. it's hard. It's hard. I think it's hard to step away from that uh, when you start out that way. Um, I think to your guys' credit as well, the I mean, for, I mean, first off, you guys win a lot. And I think winning is important no matter what some people may try to say. I think it's a reflection of what you do as a program and how hard you work. And I think winning doesn't always happen, but I think over the course of time, Programs that win a lot generally are, are programs that are run well, and you guys win a lot and have won for a long time. Um, I think even more importantly, you send a lot of kids off to play college baseball. It happens. Mm-hmm. God, it feels like every year you guys are sending three or four guys again to go play college baseball. And every every time, I feel like all the time I'm watching baseball and I see or hear a name, whether it's college or professional, I'm like, oh my, I'm pretty sure it was a Lincoln kid. <laughs> There's one the other day. There's a, a, you know in Washington. I'm like, oh my, wait a second, that's a Lincoln kid again. Uh, or the Scoro name or all these other. And so anyway, I think you guys have just run a really a, a good program for kids for a long time. Uh, and I think that's a testament to to you and, and definitely to Mike as well. You mentioned a lot of times the head coaches are the ones who just name get into everything, but mm-hmm. um, there's other people that are involved in that. Um, so I don't know if there's anything else that we missed or other stuff you wanted to cover or shout outs or I don't know, whatever it is, but just I wanted to give I, you the mic one more time. Yeah, I appreciate it. I think one thing that like I, I'm a big advocate for, and it's something that we do is summer strength and conditioning. Um, mm-hmm. And it's what our, our guys are lifting right now. And we have 40 guys in the weight room right now. Um, eighth grade through seniors. Um, and I think it's always been like this big thing that like football players lift in the summer. Um, and uh, you watch the college world series where the guys are 230 mm. pounds hitting balls, 115 miles an hour. Like we want baseball players to be big and strong too. Um, so I, that for me is, I think one of the things that our program does really well is the weight room. Um, and I, you know, a lot of coaches say like, yeah, our guys need to lift. Um, but I think providing guys an opportunity and having like a structured plan, um, has a lot of value. Um, and it's something I just wanted to mention, uh, today is because I think that's one of the the best things that our program does is three to four days in the week, every summer we're lifting, uh, doing speed and agility. And then like today we have a hitting circuit, like half the guys are in a hitting circuit and half the guys are lifting. Um, you know, and it's two hours a day, three times a week, um, outside of their summer baseball schedules. Um, you know, so from a baseball perspective, like I think there's so much value personally in summer strength and conditioning. And I don't think there's a better place in the world, uh, where culture is built than a weight room. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we say it all the time. If we sweat together, we're going to win together. Um, and, uh, I think it's pretty cool. Um, so I just wanted to, I wanted to kind of throw that out there because uh, I just think it's one of the reasons that we have been able to win some games and be successful is we're a pretty physical team. Um, And uh, I think the summer is a big part of that because some guys in the summer just won't, they'll stop, you know, they don't have access or um, you know, that's a couple of times a week, they'll go hit the bench press, um, you know, and uh, you know, our guys are going to be sprinting two to three times a week. We're going to be, uh, squatting, pulling, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, uh, getting after it in there. And I think it creates a toughness and I think it creates a, you know, a standard of your work ethic, um, and, a, and a great, um, you know, culture builder as well. Well, when you guys tweeted that out, uh, a while ago, I think it came from your account and mm-hmm. there's like, you know, 40 some people there and I'm like, Oh, that's a lot of people showing up for just like an off season summer yeah. weight mm-hmm. training. That's a bunch of Lincoln kids showed up and then I I zoomed in a little bit and I was like, huh, it's weird that they're all guys. And then I zoomed in some more like, oh those are all those are all baseball players. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, a lot of summer programs have a hard enough time getting twelve guys or even nine guys sometimes to show up for just you know, like a random summer game. Yeah. Like, you guys are running forty kids through a weight room. Uh, yeah. like to me that just screams culture. Well, I just, I, like I said, I and guys want to be here. Like we had a we had an incoming freshman the other day go Hey, why don't we do this in August too? <laughs> we're like, well, that's, that's like the coach's time to actually get some time yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah. But it, it's been, uh, like I said, and it's cool because we like we run it like a college football program, really. Like we we all wear the same shirts, you know. We uh, we have our half the guys doing one thing, half the guys doing the other. And like I said, I just I I'm tooting tooting our programs on horn here, but I think it's one of the coolest things that we do. Well, I, I think it's worth tooting. I think it's uh, I think it's important. The weight room, we always talk about it. But like you said, giving them the space to actually get in there and do it is a huge difference maker. And like you said, nothing better for a culture and a program than sweating together and 
and guys talk about it all the time and I can attest to it. It's true. When you get kids in a weight room together, it, it changes the, uh, the relationships among them inside of a program and, and really creates a cool culture. So, uh, yeah. props to you and props to everything you do. I, you know, I, I already mentioned a lot of the things, but just, I, I think when people think of Lincoln high school baseball, um, I, I think there's a few programs that in the state that have their own, like, this is what they do well. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think Lincoln High School is one of those where when you think of it, you know, the track and field, obviously, but you, you think of baseball. And I think that's a huge mm-hmm. testament because you've been there for so long. So um, yeah, great thanks. job and, and looking forward to you keeping it up. And um, thanks for doing this. This was fun. Yeah, I, I also just wanted to say thanks to my, um, my wife. Uh, as you know, um, Max, it's, uh, it's a Dude, lot yeah. to do this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for her to support me and everything that uh, I do um, is like – just second to none. Um, so just having a significant other that supports the the coaching lifestyle is, uh, it's a challenge and what she does for me on a daily basis is amazing. And she's an amazing person. So, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, so there's my shout out and, and Mike Blake, cause he's running the weight room right now. <laughs> yeah. Good job remembering that right before the end. That's, that's smart of you. Good job. <laughs> uh, CJ, thank you. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks, Max. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'll see you next spring. We'll be taking our team up to face CJ's Lincoln squad this upcoming spring, a game that, fittingly, will not be played at Lincoln High School because, once again, they don't have a baseball field. We'll play it at Ron Talkin Field. That's the home of the Arizona Diamondbacks single-A squad, the Hillsboro Hops. If for any reason you'll be in Oregon on April 9th, 2024, it's a game worth attending. If you aren't signed up for the newsletter or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And no matter where you're listening, hit the subscribe button. Most importantly, if you found any value from this episode or any previous episode, share it. No matter who it is or where you're doing it, just share it. It's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Watson for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price, or is it X now? Can't really keep track. And you can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I've got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.